Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria, your UCARE podcast. Today, I'm Marcus. I'm very happy to be with Marcus. Yeah, we do get mixed up quite a bit. We've been working together for 20 years. He's the K Marcus, I'm the C Marcus. And um, Marcus uh, is a friend, fellow uticariologist, androedema expert, head of our UCARE clinical trial unit, member of the ACARE steering committee. I could probably spend the next 20 minutes telling people who you are and what you do. Marcus, so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Look, I know that you are very interested in urticaria, obviously, um, but I also know that you're interested in androedema in urticaria, but also outside of urticaria. And I thought we could spend um, a little bit of time on talking about androedema in the context of urticaria and uh, also outside of it. And maybe you want to share with us how you see androedema as a clinical symptom or sign, but also as a group of diseases, very heterogeneous diseases. Yeah, well, I, I, I used to, to look on, on angioedema in the context of urticaria in the past. However, um, with growing experience, I look on angioedema in the context of angioedema because behind angioedema, there are different uh, differential diagnoses that might cause this angioedema. And uh, so I, I don't focus only on urticaria. However, I started with urticaria and, and angioedema, as angioedema is a very common sign of urticaria. But with, with in the years, I've seen many patients who do not suffer from angioedema and uh, not suffer from urticaria, but have mm -hmm. angioedema. And um, I focused, yeah, increasingly on the on the other patients. But mm -hmm. it's always always the, yeah, urticaria is the reference value because it's the most common type of okay. angioedema. Understood. And when you say urticaria, you mean what I mean when I say urticaria, and that's a disease characterized yep. by wheels, angioedema, or both. Because I, I think even within our urticariologist community, sometimes um, we don't word as precisely as we should. No, we, we, we talk about the signs and symptoms, itchy wheels and angioedema. But when we say urticaria, we mean a disease that can manifest with either wheels and or angioedema or angioedema alone. And um, we're learning more and more about the differences of these three, let's call them phenotypes in urticaria. But it is that last one, angioedema only, that is probably most challenging and also most interesting from a scientific point of view. How do you, let's start with that, approach patients with standalone angioedema never have wheels in clinical practice? Yeah, maybe, maybe I go just for a second back to mm -hmm. your, your, your um, saying that uh, urticaria is, is misunderstood in, in many, in many um, yeah, occasions and because 
many, many colleagues believe Uticaria is the same as Utica. And mm. Utica is the wheel. And if there are no wheels, they don't consider it as a Uticaria. Right. And uh, I think that's that's really that's really something um, that has to has to yeah put in the minds that Uticaria can be angioedema only. Because and now coming to your question, angioedema only is a little bit more challenging in diagnosis as there these patients um only only a small proportion of patients can be diagnosed by by lab values hereditary angioedema due to c1 inhibitor deficiency mm. all the other types uticaria ace inhibitor induced angioedema for example um they need a good history and history taking is the absolute key in in these patients. No, what, what, um, what, do you, what do you ask patients then? What's in your history? Yeah, um, it 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 took almost decades to to um, to collect enough experience uh, how the differences are between these types of of angioedema. The most striking and easiest is the occurrence of wheels. So if patients suffer from recurrent wheels, that's quite obvious, that's mm. easy. These patients are very, very likely to have a, a, a chronic urticaria. Now let me challenge you on this. So there are no HAE patients or ACE inhibitor patients who have wheels? No, absolutely not, no. Uh, exceptionally, these patients also suffer from wheels. They have, they can have chronic urticaria and oh, hereditary okay. angioedema. And for sure, some patients with um, uh, hereditary angioedema or other types of angioedema um, have, in a small proportion, wheels or recurrent wheels. But it's an it's an exception. So okay. it's very likely having wheels is very likely urticaria, but not exclusively. Gotcha. What are the other? top nine questions we need to ask patients with standalone angioedema to figure out what the underlying cause is. Yeah, well, so, so maybe there's a, I, I start with the, with the most, most common differential diagnosis that all of them are rare in, in comparison with urticaria, mm. but a first question in patients with standalone angioedema uh, should be um, if they take ACE inhibitors or if they have taken until recently ACE inhibitors. So that's the one of the most common differential diagnosis. For sure, the majority of the patients who take ACE inhibitors are 40 years, 50 years and a little bit older usually. So um, the older the patient, the more interesting and more valuable this question for ACE inhibitor is. Mm. Now, your history probably takes half an hour. What do you guess? Your first conversation with patients? Yeah, half an hour is 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 a good average. Well. And I, I can hear colleagues in private practice uh, or less specialized settings say half an hour. Uh, I only have 10 minutes uh, per patient. 
I understand you developed tools that can help to shorten this. Um, the 10 questions, for example, recently presented in Budapest. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what we have to help colleagues come up with the right cause in patients with standalone angioedema? Yeah. There, 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 there are more questions or there are more differences um, in, in these patients. For example, uh, the age of onset of symptoms, um, uh, the response to um, certain medications. And um, so we, we thought that there, or we, we know that the differential diagnosis have certain clinical patterns. Patients with urticaria in average are young adults, 20, 30, 40 years, usually around 30, 40, most of them. It can happen in children, it can happen in elderly, but the majority of the patient has, a, has an average age of 30 to 40 years. We know that onset of symptoms in, in hereditary angioedema is much earlier. It's usually starts in childhood. On the other hand, ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema, um, usually the average age is, is 50, 60, 70 years. So there are clinical differences. And we thought that when we combine mm. um, a set of, of clinical differences, of clinical peculiarities of these diseases, we should be able to diagnose the type of angioedema um, according to the pattern of clinical um, uh, characteristics. And mm. so we developed a set of questions. Um, these questions were designed to, to find the, the peaks in these differences. So the, the, the most, for example, age of onset is a, is a very clear, um, is, a, is, is a factor that, that really can differentiate these types of, of angioedema. And in combination with a couple of other questions, we finally came up to, to a set of questions we sent that out to, to colleagues in over, over all Europe, to Hungary, Turkey, France, and so on. And we got more than 350 answers back of these questionnaires. These questionnaires or these questions were answered by the patients and um, a secured diagnosis was provided by the treating physician. Mm. And these were A-care and U-care physicians showing again the power of the network. And then I understand Felix worked his artificial intelligence magic and uh, did some clustering uh, analyses that only he understands and um, are very enigmatic to, to me at least, um, but came out with a quite nice, predictive, algorithmic tool. The 10 questions. Yeah, I, I had some difficulties when I when I uh, entered the data in the computer. I started with an Excel file and I'm, I'm not really a, a stat statistics specialist and I had my difficulties in in assessing the data. So it was there were masses of data and um, 
I started with some simple algorithms to to just count the the, the hits in these and the other diagnosis, mm -hmm. and um, I I developed an algorithm that was, yeah, okay. But then came <laughs> Felix, and Felix is he's a he's a young statistician, and he. Grew up a wizard, yes. He grew up with the uh, artificial intelligence, and he mm -hmm. saw the data, and he told me that's a case for artificial intelligence. Let put the data into my computer, and I will find out um, how we can how we can assess this data best. And, and he did, and he did. And he did. No, he did. So it, it didn't take too long, and he really dived deep into the topic took the latest algorithm, um, he compared a couple of models and finally found out the best model. Mm. And um, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing what he found out. Um, he took, he took, um, I have here some, some data from him. Uh, it was a forest, forest model. Mm. Don't ask me for the names. Well, Don't ask I, me how it works exactly. I won't. I won't. Oh, it, Your answers it, won't mean much to me anyway. But yeah. uh, folks, if you're interested in what this thing is and what it does, we will put the link. It's on the web. Uh, we will put it in the show notes and you can try for yourself. Um, Marcus, how how sensitive, how specific, how good is this set of questions in finding out why patients, individual patients have their angioedema? Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's like like all data. The data is as good, or, or the result is as good as the data you put in. And um, is it better than a physician? No, I would I would think so. I would think so that that um, a less experienced physician is beaten by artificial intelligence yeah, here it becomes interesting no and yeah. maybe uh, maybe we should think about uh, a way to show that to uh, to investigate that and to further train the algorithm i understand that you know many of these super rare types of angioedema um, may be difficult to diagnose for the computer as for the physician. So again, uh, shout out to the network, um, UCARE, ACARES out there. Um, we would love to see how we can improve this algorithm and maybe you have some ideas yeah. on this already, Marcus. Yeah. Super rare, that's the, that's the problem. That's the key problem. Because we have uh, uh, Felix um, approached to to ninety five percent, almost ninety five percent of sensitivity and specificity oh. in in the in the more common diagnosis. There was enough data to compare and to learn for the artificial intelligence, and so he has extremely high. Uh, predictive values for the more common diagnosis like urticaria, hereditary angioedema. The less common types of angioedema have a lower uh, sensitivity and specificity. However, if we get more data, the algorithm can learn. And that's the that's the amazing part of this this project. And so we we plan to to get more data from the less common types, subtypes mm. of angioedema 
to increase sensitivity and specificity in all types of angioedema close to 99%. That's super. I smell an, a U-care, E-care collaboration here moving this algorithm forward. And of course, um, it is important that we talk about this so that patients become aware of this, that uh, physicians become aware of this tool, uh, maybe making it available in different languages. I don't know what your plans are, but certainly something that patients can use and uh, physicians can use as well. I've, I found this very interesting, especially because it is so important to know what the underlying cause is because the, the treatments are so different, you know, and what works in one type of angioedema does nothing in another type and vice versa. So that's really the first step to providing patients with treatment that controls their disease, whether it's urticaria that causes the angioedema or uh, bradykinin um, uh, mediated angioedema. Very, very helpful. Marcus, we spent almost all of our time on the 10 questions. Well worth it. That uh, is a fantastic project. And thank you to all the colleagues who helped you helped you do that. Maybe we'll Maybe we'll do it again, Marcus, because I have so many more questions on, of course, the treatment and uh, the clinical differences and also clinical trials in the different forms of angioedema, which, of course, are very different depending on what the underlying yeah. cause is. You know? So thank you very much for uh, uh, telling us a little bit more about how to diagnose the underlying cause in patients with angioedema, because my experience is that simply looking at pictures of the swellings or asking patients how often they occur and where they occur doesn't really get you where you need to be. Um, so it is important to have a good history and maybe in the future an artificial intelligence algorithm guided history. I like that. I like that very much. Thanks, Marcus. You're welcome. You're welcome. Happy, happy to 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 be here, and uh, let's talk about clinical studies. Whatever you you want next time. Super. And of course, folks, as we often do, I'm not going to let Marcus go without the million dollar question. Okay. Marcus, if you had a million dollars, but you had to spend it on research in urticaria and angioedema where would no 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 let me make that three five million dollars because i know these projects are not cheap what would it be that you spend that money on to better understand urticaria and angioedema wow what a question i would i would spend I, I would be very interested in what's what's exactly the difference between angioedema and 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 wheels. Why do some patients develop wheels, others wheels and angioedema? What predicts or what's yeah, what predicts or what what um what part in the pathophysiology is different in these patients and why how yeah at at what time of in the course of the disease uh this decision only wheels only angioedema or both and what happens at the beginning 
of, of the onset of an angioedema in the tissue and, and these processes? That, that would be my, my favorite answer. Fascinating question. And I think a project can be designed to answer that question, looking into the skin, looking at the skin, working with patients, understanding the mechanisms. Fantastic. I'll, I'll try to find those $5 million. You start thinking about the project and then we'll, we'll make a plan moving forward. That's, that's half a dozen of projects, yes. <laughs> Very good. Folks, that's all the time we have today. With me was Marcus, the K Marcus, right here from the you care and a care at Charité, my friend and colleague, talking about the 10 questions and how to diagnose the underlying cause in patients with standalone angioedema. Marcus, thank you. Thank you very much for being with us today. My pleasure. And for all of you out there, if you want to provide feedback, we'd love to hear it. There's many mechanisms. Please check in the show notes of this episode and other episodes. Please listen to the previous episodes and please do let us know what you want us to touch on in the next episodes of All Things Urticaria. And uh, if you want to leave us stars uh, or criticism or, well, any kind of feedback really on what we can do, how we're doing and how we can improve, we'd love to hear that, especially topics and people you would like me to have on a future episode of All Things Urticaria. For now, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk soon. Until then, be well. Bye-bye.